0: Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin is home to the nation's only Master Cheesemakers program that provides innovative cheesemakers with continuing education opportunities? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com.
1: This week it's the season finale of Meat and 3. We're following up our episode about youth with a look at age and how aging affects life on farms and in kitchens. At the the most basic level, we need people to grow food for a growing global population.
0: The question of planning for retirement or old age as a cook it's almost one that doesn't exist bizarrely until it's too late.
2: We also have a story about a food that might be older than you think. A recent archaeological finding might have crossfitters everywhere reevaluating their diets.
1: Plus a story about one of Atlanta's most historic and risqué landmarks. There are dancers that have been there 20 and 30 years. Don't miss our season finale of Meat and 3, available wherever you get your podcasts. Good evening and welcome to Fun About, 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 about it. it on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Rachel Jacobs. And I'm Mary Izette and we're your co-hosts for this weekly journey of all things fermented. Hosted on Stitcher, iTunes, and HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Exactly. So, uh, man, it's been a while. It has been a while. I think it's been at least six months since I have been in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, for those of you out there that have followed us in this journey, uh, you will know that Chris and I, Chris Kuzmi, who's not here this evening, he has another gig, uh, Chris Kuzmey and I and our partner uh, opened a brewery in Long Island City last, <laughs> at the very end of September. Uh, so I was, um, it's going really well. So we're just over 10 months old. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been crazy. So I was, have been working, I have had a day job this entire time um and then working also at the brewery i have been the brewery is is uh going well enough that uh i get to, i got to quit my day job a month and a half <laughs> ago <Yay! laughs> so uh, <laughs> what did you do immediately after you quit your day job i dyed my hair blue <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so anyway, so it's been awesome, but now finally Chris and I will have the the um, enough, you know the time and energy to bring the podcast back. So we're going to have this show, and then we are relaunching uh, in the fall season, which I believe starts that week of September 5th. So we'll That's be, right. the next Monday will be our first show, and we're super excited. Um, there's a lot of cool people doing all kinds of neat fermentations out there. Um, I, w- I recently went to a new sake brewery in here in Brooklyn um, and uh, we've been meeting a lot of cool people so, so yeah, we met all sorts of uh, mead makers we met all sorts
2: of interesting ferment makers at the uh, fermentation festival back in February we still have to talk to And, uh, yeah, we're excited for what comes next in the world of fermentation. Yes.
1: So we will be back in September with all kinds of fermentation shows. Um, But tonight, we wanted to do a very special episode for uh, It's Beers Without Beards Week. It's the first ever celebration, week-long celebration of women in beer in New York City. It is a project started by Grace White, who is here in the studio with us. Welcome, Grace. Hey, Mary. (laughs) And then I'll go ahead and have everybody introduce themselves, and then we'll talk a little bit about beers Without Beards. I'll have you guys just go around.
2: Hi, I'm Heather McReynolds. I'm the social media correspondent for Guinness. Hi
3: there, Ann Becerra, the beverage director, beer director at Treadwell Park.
4: Hello, um, I'm Jess Tabak. I'm the tasting room manager at Brooklyn Brewery. Awesome.
1: So uh, I gathered up some... Oh, man, I don't know. I have so many favorite lady friends in the beer community, but um, (laughs) you guys, most of you guys, actually, most everyone in this room uh, I've known for a really long time. So it's awesome to have everybody here. Anyway, so let's go back to Grace. So let's talk about what, well, first of all, what you do and how you came to be there and then what inspired you to start Beers Without.
5: Yeah, so I'm the marketing manager at Hop Culture. We're an online beer publication, and we also throw beer festivals all around the country. So this project really started um, because I was in a grad program at NYU. I was in a food studies grad program, and I pretty much centered all of my projects around craft beers because I've worked in the craft beer industry and I love beer and there's no current program in the U.S. where you can study craft beer culture. There's plenty of fermentation programs, but I kind of made my own way. Um, And this Beers Without Beards Festival really started with um, an experiment. So if you guys will all indulge me for just a minute, (laughs) close your eyes and think about the last beer that you drank. Maybe it was an IPA. Maybe you taste really nice notes of citrus, tangerine, grapefruit. (laughs) Maybe it was a stout and you smell really great aromas of coffee or chocolate. Now, think about the person that brewed that beer. Are they big or tall, short or small? Are they blonde-haired, blue-eyed? Most importantly, did you envision a man with a beard? Or did you picture a woman? So, nine times out of ten, when I do that experiment with everyone, they have the stereotypical image in their head of a big man with, like, a burly beard, a plaid shirt, you know, (laughs) brewer's boots, you know, it's just, that's, it's the stereotypical image in craft beer, and that's the perception that we're trying to change with Beers Without Beards. So, we started this festival based on that kind of um, thought experiment, if you will.
2: That that image is almost what stopped me from becoming a brewer.
5: Interesting. Yeah. And... It's, I think it might have stopped a lot of other people, and that's why we're having this week-long festival, because we want to tangibly alter the scales. And I like to say we alter the scales with the Ales capitalized and scales. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we actually want to get more people, more women outside, um, coming into the community, drinking craft beer, working in the craft beer industry. And you know, on the flip side, we also want everyone to just recognize the like wonderful achievements that like, you guys have in craft beer and that everyone else has in craft beer.
1: Cool. So let's talk about what's going on this week. Oh, boy, Mary. <laughs> there's, there's a lot going on this <laughs> yeah. week. Uh,
5: well, this wonderful podcast episode is happening right now, and this is actually pretty much the kickoff uh, to the week, so thank you very much for having yeah. it, all of us and putting this together and um, getting back in the studio, if you will. Um, but tomorrow we have a event that we're doing with Pineapple. They're a women's food collaborative. in. They're all over the country. They do events in NYC, and they're putting on a panel called Brewing Change. So we're essentially looking at <clears throat> uh, how brewing has helped different uh, women business owners create change in the industry um, on Wednesday I'm really excited we're doing a, uh, it's a it's a beer dinner and panel with a Smithsonian so Teresa McCullough she's the woman's uh, first female brewing historian uh, at the smithsonian and she's joining us for a panel talking about the role of women in beer history so there's gonna be food from female-owned restaurant taim there's gonna be beer from strong rope brewery you get a cool tumbler they just actually came in today to take home and they look really really sweet <laughs> awesome. so it's gonna be a, a great a great event and we still have a few tickets left to that so wait
3: where was that again could you say that one more time <laughs> where it's at the
5: mezzanine in uh the Fida district i think In, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. So if you're interested in any of the events and you'd like to to come and and check them out, um, just go to www.hopculture.com backslash beardless. (laughs) Uh, Wednesday we'll also be doing a special edition of Beer Trivia over at Glorietta Baldi in Brooklyn with the Bearded Ladies. So they're two really great ladies who are doing, pretty much started this organization on their own, and they do Beer Trivia once a month over there, so we're doing a special edition with them. On Thursday, Mary's going to be joining us again for a, a panel at Fifth Hammer. We're talking about how women in the beer media space are helping to rewrite the beer industry and the business of beer. So, how can we market beer more to women? How can we make you know spaces more uh, amenable for women to, to drink beer, make them more comfortable? Um, and that night we'll also be doing a, uh, a bottle share over at Beer Karma um, with Kat <coughs> Kat Martinez from Lineup. Uh, Friday we have a beer dinner with Stone. Unfortunately, those tickets are all sold out. Though. Good but thing we got in yeah. yeah, good thing. If you bought your tickets, yay. <laughs> I bought my ticket. <laughs> Saturday is going to be the actual tasting festival, so we have over 20 breweries that are either owned by women, that have female brewers, that have women that are working in some capacity in the brewery that will be out at the well in Brooklyn pouring. Um, tickets still available for that, though. So, And then Sunday we are doing uh, beer and yoga with Beer Fit Club. They're an organization started by um, Sofia del Gigante. So it's a female-owned organization. We're going to do some some namaste and some stretching and drinking over at um, Five <laughs> Boroughs. <clears throat> and we're also doing an event with Anne Yay. as well. So she, excited. Yeah, do you want to actually talk a little bit more about your event and what we're going to be doing? Sure, yeah.
3: Um, so what we're doing, we're going to do kind of a basic intro to tasting beer. I feel like, well, at least feedback that I get a lot is, people are interested but they kind of don't know where to start and maybe don't even know the questions to ask. Um, So we're going to make it really fun and break it down by ingredient. So we'll have, you know, malt-focused beers, hot-focused beers, fermentation-driven beers along with some raw ingredients to taste and smell and break apart um, and really just get back to basics and say, you know, give a general vocabulary for people who are looking to get into some trying new styles um, using a variety of really amazing local options. So all the beers are from New York as much as we can. Use (laughs) Beers brewed by women, we do our best, but like you said, I mean, it's, unfortunately, there aren't that many options on the market, at least available in New York. Um, But I think, again, focus on community, focus on, um, I guess, starting from the beginning, and being in a comfortable space where you're okay to ask questions, you feel comfortable, Mm -hmm. you're not going to feel like, is this a stupid question? There are no stupid questions, like, we're all here to learn, and I'm really excited. It's going to be at um, St. Gambrinus in Brooklyn. Awesome, yeah. And then
1: we actually yes. brewed a beer for the week, which we'll be pouring at the um, the Thursday night panel. It's called Savvy Seamare. It is a uh, <laughs> a session IPA that we hop burst and dry hopped with Eldorado and uh, Dilllo hops, and it's tasting really good.
5: Sounds delicious. I haven't had a chance to taste it yet. I'll so probably tag it, might keg be the it tomorrow. Time. Okay, it might oh, be my first I time. Oh, I smelled time those hops. Yeah. yeah, they smelled good. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> So that was fun. That was my third or fourth brew, I guess, Uh, in the brewery.
3: So, Mary, I think you need another job. You're just not busy enough. (laughs) (laughs) Goodness gracious. I
1: feel I've been really mentally disorganized just because going from a corporate uh, job to the brewery, I'm doing many different things. Uh, I have a very different schedule. So I'm finally feeling like, a month and a half in like more mentally organized and I kind of have a better grasp, but yeah, it's been kind of all over the place. Cause I do everything from brew to keg, to social media, to events, to uh, taking photos of dogs at sunset.
3: <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> yep. Anyway. So let's talk about, let's go around and talk about kind of what, where you guys are, how you got into beer,
2: what like led you into beer and, and what you're doing now. So I'm starting, I guess. And I'm guessing you don't want like the hour-long version. You probably want the condensed (laughs) version. Um, I will keep it brief. Uh, I started really falling in love with beer when I was in grad school. uh, And I was managing a beer bar in in, uh, my hometown, Gainesville, Florida. University of Florida. Woo, go get (laughs) Um, I I fell in love with it there. And I loved beer. I love learning about beer. I love the culture around it. I love the people that worked in it. And that's when I decided, like, I'm going to work in beer for the rest of my life. I didn't necessarily know, like, what capacity. Um, I moved to Columbus, Georgia. I was managing a brew pub. Uh, and it was, you know, I was, I was really helping to advance the culture there. of uh, Beer education, really, was the thing that they were kind of lacking. Um, but I wasn't, the brewer there wasn't really, like, giving his all. And I think he was kind of He wasn't happy, and you could tell, and the beers weren't that great, and it really upset me because I saw the potential. Um, So I asked my boss, the manager of the brew pub, like, let me try. Just let me try. I don't know anything about brewing beer right now, but, like, I care about it, so let's do it. And I trained with the brewer for a couple weeks, and then he quit, and so I took over brewing, and then I brewed for... Five, five and a half years. Uh, I moved up to Brooklyn. I met Mary Isette. Um, started brewing at a brewery in Brooklyn, and then managed it. And now I'm doing social media for Guinness. And you went to
1: ABG. I when did. When did you go to ABG? Actually, so I, ABG is American Brewers Guild. Yeah. So it's a it's a, a beer school here.
5: Like yeah. Local. Well,
2: it's based it's based out of Vermont. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really great because I was already brewing at the time, and and. The thing about brewing that's that's interesting is that like you could teach anyone to make beer. It's a lot like cooking in that way. I'm not, I'm not a chef, I'm not even a decent cook, but I know that if I had the right kind of person with me, they could teach me how to make certain meals and I could learn. But the thing that you really need to know to become a really great brewer is the science behind it and the whys and hows and, and, and making those adjustments as you need to be so you can really get the flavors that you want out of the ingredients. And so going to a school like ABG is really good for that. And it it is a correspondence course, but it was great because I was working as a brewer as a time. And so this was what I was doing, uh you know, nights and weekends kinds of thing and and learning the science behind it and all of that. Um, But yeah, uh shout out to Brian Kobaki at Departed Souls and uh Mm -hmm. Zach Kinney at KCBC. And then uh, your husband, uh, Chris... uh, I can never remember his last name. (laughs) It's just Chris. It's actually printed on, like, every single one of his T-shirts. Yeah, Kuzme also did ABG. Uh, It's it's a great program. Um, But yeah, uh, working now for Guinness and doing social media, it's been an interesting transition to go from... uh, doing such a process-driven thing where, you know, you have this end result of this beer that you share with people to now, like, the end result is, guys, did you see that Instagram post I did?
5: (laughs) Got, like, 200 likes. 2,000.
2: So many likes on that. (laughs) Um, It is really interesting, though, because uh, it's, it's, you know, when a 259-year-old brewery says, we want to teach you how to do marketing and social media, we just want to, like, use the knowledge in your brain, and it's hard to turn that down. Um, there's so so much incredible history surrounding the brewery, and I'm very very fortunate that I get to go to Dublin a couple times a year and work really closely with the archive team and see it firsthand. Like, you know, I've held bottles of beer in my hand that are like over a hundred years old, and it, it, like they have the brew logs dating back to like the early 1800s, and I get to show that on social, and that I I do get really really excited about it. And you know, it, it's not something that we'd be able to easily show people if it wasn't for social media. So. It, it's interesting it's, it's a really interesting gig now um, but yeah it's it's nice sharing that background and that culture with, with people it's very cool yeah yeah.
1: so uh, social media so it's interesting because I do uh, so, most of Fifth Hammer's social media it. and I've been learned a lot I never really knew I mean I had some, like a personal you know personal Instagram and Facebook account and all that stuff but I don't I have had no training in this I was too scared to use Instagram Stories until I think May. I'm like, what are these stories? That makes no sense. Anyway, um, but I think actually social media is really important. I mean, it's important to us as a brewery. Like, I feel I feel like a lot of definitely a lot of people find us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a tasting room that's open seven days a week, so a lot of people come to the tasting room because they've seen it on Instagram. Um, cool. And people engage. But I think Instagram can also be, or other forms of social media, can be a way to educate people as well. I mean, there's a lot of people interact about craft beer through social media. Definitely. And
2: and I think that was one of the hardest things when I first started. It was like, all right, I'm going to break down uh, what's the enzymatic activity that's going on in the mash. And it's like, (laughs) no, that's a little too advanced (laughs) for people who are scrolling through Instagram for the most part. Uh, I'm sure all of your lovely listeners are, are very well versed <laughs> on what's going on inside of mash tun. Uh, but your average beer lover on Instagram, they don't, they're they're not ready for that. So it was, it was hard to back it up a little bit. And like, and like, I, I think there was one time I needed to explain like what an Esther was and I was like, Oh, I didn't know I was at that level, you know? Okay. Yeah. Let me break down what an Esther is. Cool. I can do this. Um, but yeah, I think, it, I think it is a great way to get people excited on, on kind of a high level. And I like to use Instagram stories to get a little bit more nerdy. Like, hey, you know, here's this post about this beer. It's got this. If you want to learn more about it or deep dive into it, like, check out the Instagram story. And you can break it down into a little story-like object that, you know, people can dig into. But, um, you know, I, I think, too, it it's also really important because you know, you're showing the actual people, too. If you step back and consider, like, your brewery, you're showing the people who work at your brewery, and, uh, you know, when it's someone like you, who's in front of the camera, you know, you're a woman, and so it's another way that women can show that, you know, we hey, we're also here. Um, you know, it, it yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think it's cool because I've been not doing it as much, but
1: I think it's a good way to also show a lot. Like, until we opened this brewery, and I had been homebrewing and you know been in breweries a lot but there's things that happen behind the scenes to make a beer that like no one ever sees or thinks about Mm -hmm. um so i i think that's cool too because it can be again be a little bit more like be fun and pretty but also educational Mm -hmm. so we're going to take a very brief break and we will be right back with talking to ann the men about it (laughs)
0: To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com.
1: Welcome back to Fomen About It on Heritage Radio Network. So, uh... I do have to say something about. It. So I brought a couple of crowlers of our beer. So I poured the summer sour blackberry and now I'm just pour, pour I just poured a uh,
2: we just made a brute IPA. I I'm going to make the claim that like maybe this is the first brute IPA on the East Coast.
1: It, it might <gasps> be. Yeah.
5: I've seen them on the West. Where are they on the East? Might <laughs> I, I think somebody in,
1: De, in Pennsylvania did it. Um, It might be the first one in New York City, though. Okay, okay, sure. Well, we can say that
5: then. Yeah. Can we say it's the first one in New York City brewed by a woman? Oh! I didn't brew this one, though. I Uh, only helped with the recipe formulation.
3: We could technically say it it might be any of those things. But I did! (laughs) I know! But I did keg it! it.
2: (laughs) I did keg it, actually. I like like, it. Which is the first brewed IPA in New York City, though.
1: (laughs) That's good. Kegged by a woman, how about that? Okay. Because I, I can't get all by
2: myself. I think we're getting very specific now, I know. but
4: cool. Okay. Uh, sorry, I'm going to interrupt for a second. Just on that note, though, like, brewing it is, like, very all-encompassing. I mean, just because you helped write the recipe, True. that's part of the whole brewing process. There's right. someone that actually, like, mills the grain, then mm-hmm. does the mashing, and then someone sellers it and kegs it. That's all part of the process. And even coming up with the label and the name... So it's not just like, oh, I'm like mashing out right now. Like, yeah, that's answer. not brewing oh, to, just to me. That's
2: Honestly, true. True. to be honest, I, I think cellar work is, is like one of the most important parts of the process. Like, yeah, brewing is, is good, but like you can really mess up a beer on the cold that's side. True. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what true. beers without
5: beer is. We've always said that the, our main goal is to empower the role of all women in craft beer. So yep. we're really encompassing that to mean all the women that are brewing, that are owning breweries, that are working in the front of house, doing marketing, social media, writing about beer, um, podcasting about beer. So there's, there's so, so many ways for women... Drinking beer. So many ways for women to get involved. It's a really great point that you brought up, Jess.
1: Sure. We're, we're small enough that there's three of us that do
0: <laughs>
1: all of that stuff <laughs> <laughs> at this point. But yeah, yeah sure. we don't have a cold... Some breweries do have, like, they're kind of hot side of the brewery. Yeah. And Cellar Work, they have two different... Um, kind of two different crews for that mm-hmm. so if you brew you're only on the hot side if you sell or you're only on the seller side but it's very easy brewer. but anyway you wear many hats on top yes. of that blue hair yes <laughs> so Anne, yeah. tell us
3: about your background and what you do <laughs> so yeah i mean i basically fell in love with belgian beer originally um the flavors were just outstanding and i kind of found that i could get the greatest beer on the planet for what was maybe the cheapest bottle of wine you know out there Um, And I could give you the background. You know, I was working. I quit my job, quit life, traveled cross-country, and fell in love with all these great beers across from, you know, East Coast all the way to California. And when I came back into New York, I was setting up interviews to go back to real work. And it's like, after you've seen Yellowstone, it's very difficult to come back and sit (laughs) in office, right? So I kind of made a deal. I'll work in beer for three months just to get as much knowledge as I can, and then I'll go back to work. And within the week, I was like, you know, this is... Insane, like so much exists now that I had no idea about, no idea. Um, I, obviously, if you're not seeking it out, you're not going to find ads. You know, when's the last time you saw a, even a, an Orval ad? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> or something like. It, it's just this wonderful little insular world. But I thought, like, if this is new to me, there's so many people out there that ha- it's got to be the same way for them. Um, so that was when I was working at the Ginger Man on 36th Street. I was there for a few years. So it was amazing. Um, But what was really fun was I was just soaking it all in, and I didn't really have an end goal. It was like I just wrote tasting notes. I still have my original little book that I'm old-fashioned. I write with a pen and paper. But I wrote tasting notes on every single thing I tasted, um, you know, alphabetical order, and just kind of kept these great logs. And everyone said, well, what do you want to do? I don't get it. Do you want to own a bar? Do you want a brewery? I'm like, I don't know. But I have access to this information, and I'd be a fool to let it go just out the window. Um, So I basically just kind of dived in and decided to, do whatever the day brought, you know? So um, initially I started writing. I'm not a journalist. I'm not like a trained journalist, but what happened was I was going to visit breweries and, you know, you'd meet all these wonderful people coming in and out of the bar and they're like, whenever you're in Pennsylvania, you know, hit us up or whenever you're here, come visit. I'm like, sure, <laughs> let's do it. So I'd go visit and just find such wonderful things to say But I mean, it was it was a whole experience. You know, you're seeing not just the beer in the glass, but what they're giving back to their community, how, who they're employing, their relationships with farmers and their you know, commitment to agriculture and sustainability. And it was like, oh my God, you know, we can have this great affordable luxury with an incredible story behind it. That's good for the country, that's good for these towns, It's good for just community, right? So that was really fun. And I started, I would come back and tell my stories to my regulars and tell the stories to the employees and be like, this place is amazing. I just, you gotta see what Victory is doing for the Headwater Fund and blah, blah, or whatever. And so I figured, listen, if if it's gonna if I'm gonna make it easier for myself to sell some of these esoteric styles and these weird things that are kind of a hard sell, if I maybe start writing about it or have a platform that people can find out about them, they'll come in asking for it. Um so when I, I met Ray Daniels, who started the Ciceroan organization really early on, and he just told me about the program, I was like, well, great, put a date on the calendar that I can study for. Um, and I passed, and it was great because it ended up being like the first woman in New York City. That's not something that I say very often, believe it or not, <laughs> but it is certainly, I've, I've had a, a real crash course in Media 101 over the last couple of years um, of what strikes a chord with certain writers. And so, luckily, that's kind of the angle that a lot of people pick up on. And it's funny, I'll sit with someone for two hours talking about every subject you can imagine, and the headline, New York City's First Female. <laughs> and it's like, that was like seven years ago, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> um but at the same time I get it and I and and to be quite honest in the beginning and I've been so fortunate with in the press with media write-ups with opportunities I mean I can't even I'm like pinching myself but at the same time I used to really shy away from it because I was like I don't need you to point out the fact that I'm a woman I mean I'm doing things that a lot of men haven't done and I'm ex- you know exploring different subjects and it wasn't until the you know election wrap where it was like oh my god, is this what it's like? I feel like I'm sometimes in a bubble in New York City and it's always, what's it like to be a woman in the the male-dominated industry and blah, blah, blah and I kind of want to say, listen, I'm a buyer in New York City, so even people that might be a little rough around the edges or maybe have some thoughts about gender equality are not going to come in and show it to me because they're trying to sell their beer Mm -hmm. so I know for a fact that I don't see the sides firsthand that a lot of people see so I kind of switch gears and it's like, you know what, if that's what it takes to get in and and if people want to say the first female this or say this or that and use that as a headline, I'm okay with it because it is an entryway into like a bigger story. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um,
2: yeah. Uh, I was gonna say like uh, Mary and I have had tons and tons of conversations about this. It's hard. I mean, uh, yeah, I you know I when I was brewing, uh, it it's something that like it, no, you don't want it to be a selling point because at the end of the day, I wanted my beers to be sold on their own merit. Um, you know, yeah, they weren't lady beers. They weren't beers for ladies. They were beers for people. And I wanted them to be judged against other beers that were also made for people. Um, but I did struggle with that too, because it, yeah, I but I also want to show other women that, yeah, these are jobs you can do. Cause like I mentioned when you were talking earlier, Grace about, you know, you probably picture a beer, big bearded dude. Like when I was managing a bar, I, never in a million years did I ever consider brewing because it's like, oh yeah, you you have to be a lumberjack. Like I'm sure, like I don't have the physique for that. I'm, I'm a small five foot t- zero woman. Like that's totally what I thought. I psyched myself out of it. And then I just got so frustrated that I asked. Like it, it, So yes, we do need to show other women that these are things you can do. But it does have to be done the right way, and we do need to have the right media people. Like, I was really fortunate, um, speaking of the bearded ladies, uh, Meredith Heil did a really great write-up on me when I was brewing uh, a couple years ago, and I totally felt really comfortable with her doing it, obviously, because I knew that the focus of the story would not be the fact that, you know, I had boobs. The focus of the story would be, (laughs) like, this is what it's like to brew beer in New York City. So, yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. Like... That's something we need to talk about more, like the media portrayal
3: of women in the beer industry. I mean, I've kind of switched gears because now it's like, why? I'm proud to be a woman. I don't care. I drink differently. Too bad. And I think that's something that, you know, in the beginning, and I think a lot of what I see is a lot of friends come into the industry and they feel like they have to keep up and they're there and they're drinking six, seven, eight, nine beers a day. I don't want to drink six, seven, eight, nine beers a day. It's not because I'm a woman. It's because I'm me. You know, I have my way of doing things. I enjoy a beautiful glass. I like a nice setting. I like, it's just, that's my personality. It's fine. And I can find an amazing beer to do that. I love, it's just, I'm just, that's how I look at things. And I don't feel like I need to apologize for the way I drink or the way I talk about things. And so more now I've realized like a good focus has been introducing new audiences to beer. And you know, going on the Rachel Ray show, for example, that was really fun because you know it was like they wanted to have some basic style knowledge of how to recognize styles, and they asked, "Please bring on one macro version and one craft version." Um, that's fairly, and I, you know, I chose things that were easy to see and recognize and understand. And um, of course, I will say, big piece of advice: don't read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> my God, you're never gonna. I mean, my, why would they choose that? I can't believe it. it's like. Listen. I'm not talking to someone who knows everything under the sun. I'm talking to someone who may have exactly. never even knows that a, you know, a wit beer or a, an IPA I, exists. Exactly. Yeah.
5: And if
1: that commenter, when they get invited on Rachel, Riff, yeah. they bring yeah. One. Yeah. <laughs> the kind amen. of beer that so, they want to bring. Fair I want to go back to, to Heather's
5: enough. point for a second, because I think the best question that a reporter ever asked me about Beers Without beer is I did that thought experiment with him, Yeah. and he was like, okay, so if the stereotypical picture of a man in beer is someone with a beard and a plaid shirt, and you you know boots and everything. What is the image of a woman? And I was like, huh. Hmm. That's a really, really yeah. good question. And I said, you know, you, you might. Honestly, to me, it's just a sign of strength, because women brewing in beer. It's a very physical job, and it's very like, you know, there are things that.
2: I, I mean, it, it can be. I it mean, it, be. it depends on what side of the process you're on and how big your system is. I yeah. Mean,
5: can be and actually i mean i think this would be an interesting question to ask the group like what would your you know image of a woman brewing beer because i I, honestly he threw me for a loop and i said oh well hmm i had to think about it and i just thought about we have a mascot for beers without beers and it's a woman she's holding two kegs and you know it's a very powerful image so you know to me i think a woman who who undertakes brewing or getting involved in in working in beer is is very strong um whether that's inside outside whatever so i'd love to put this to all you guys what you think
4: Does she wear pink
5: boots? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at least steel-toed boots. (laughs) Got to have steel toes.
3: It's just something, I just don't think about that. I, it's, no. I know that or sounds do you awful. Not? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think about it either. Like, and when he
5: asked me that question, I was just like, wow. And, never and, and you know, I don't brew, and
3: everyone says, like, do you brew? I'm like, I don't, I don't. Like, there's a lot, I feel like I'm more of a translator um, for people who are just, you know, it's like, what do I do? Where do I start? What's out there? And I can translate. I mean, I brew for fun. I'll certainly go out and do collabs here and then and just make it for fun, but, you know, it's not... I don't even homebrew (laughs) but it doesn't mean, but I cook and I shop and I, you know, eat out and I dine out and I drink and there's all these things, host parties. I mean, there's so many different elements to it. And when I talk about, you know, a lot of people think it's either a brewer or you're a rep, a sales, in the sales division. It's like Mm
5: -hmm.
3: think about the scientists and the chemists and the logistical coordinators and the graphic designers and you know, Mm -hmm. the servers and bartenders and managers and all of these things that go into it. there's just, there's uh, it's fun. I had to, I had oh to remind a, a friend the other day about like, oh yeah, and don't forget about like the QA team and the, like mm-hmm, that side. Yeah. Like, eh, yeah, those guys work hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and I think we all have to keep it very, you know, make sure that, not us in this room, obviously we know that, but it's not insular. Like I think that's something that I found too, where it's even, I'll walk into a bar and people don't, if you don't know, like you wouldn't look at me and be like, she knows a lot about beer and that's fine because of these perceptions. But at the same time, if I have a question about a beer please don't make me feel like, I, how, like I'm the dumbest person in the room. And I think a lot of people, not just male or female, are kind of want it to be their thing. And I get it. Like it's a fun hobby to have and you like having your community. But at the same time, we're not going to sustain this industry that's going up against big beer and all. I mean, you know, we, we want people to be welcomed and to feel comfortable and to feel excited and to try new things. And I think the more open minded we are and the more welcoming we all are as a community, it's just going to help.
1: Yeah, I
3: agree.
1: Yeah. And speaking of all different roles, so yeah. tell yeah, us I, what
3: you do, Jack.
4: I have bounced around a little bit, but uh, <laughs> that's just my total MA. Um, <laughs> um, M O. But um, actually, that I was just um, thinking about though, because it's interesting. Because brewing is such, like super fascinating to everyone. And we, right now we're in this really big boom with it. And it's still like very mis, like, mysterious. They're like, oh, well, really? You can brew beer? It's like, yeah, this has been happening <laughs> for like thousands of years. <laughs> but for, we're just living in this time where there's a lot more of a focus on it. And, you know... Growing marijuana is going to be that next wave, especially with how it's going to be legal everywhere, just how with beer, was with prohibition, it was not legal everywhere. True. So there's going to be another wave in a different industry. And right now we're just living in one of those very exciting moments that we've all been part of it. Um, and with it being 2018, with it being another wave of being progressive and forward facing with women like th- just back in the 70s um, we all just like contributing to it so I think it's just pretty cool to be a part of it like of this mysterious like industry We're, but in the, all of it it's no different than someone owning um, like a copying machine like um, company you know every someone has to like actually make the copying machines it's basically the same thing <laughs> but no one cares right. So um, just if they, they, don't, they don't. They don't have day. the
2: artisanal uh, aesthetic around it.
4: You and can't drink. A and shit. me. <laughs>
2: no, and honestly, that's that's the great thing about beer. I think that's a great thing. At the end of the day, like it is a thing that brings people together, and and they celebrate things over it. And it,
3: you can't it, download it.
2: It yes, and it it you know if you're sitting at a bar and there's someone that's attractive, like it helps you like start conversations with people, like we joke around calling it a social lubricant, but it really is. It I've really is. I've had some is. of my best
5: conversations just oversharing a beer, you know? And exactly. I've some, met some, like, great friends oversharing beer, especially since I moved to New York. I used to sell beer in Chicago, and I was never ostracized for being a woman or for you know, being clean-shaven and not having a, a beard, but uh, but everyone I ran into, all the reps, they all had beards. And it was like, there just wasn't that community. I didn't find that community until I actually moved here to New York. and Glad you found it.
3: Yeah. Glad I found all you Yay. guys. Well, our country was founded in the pub. I mean, our yeah, national the anthem is a beer yeah, song. It's a <laughs> bearding song. Modern medicine is founded because we were studying beer. I mean, like, you can really go into such depth about why and how like the Mayflower stopped because they needed to <laughs> beer. I mean, like seriously. And that's the kind of thing where I think I'll, I'll do a lot of beer dinners at, you know, resorts and hotels and really talking to like wine drinkers. And a lot of times it's their first beer dinner ever. And what I'll get is, Oh my God, I had no idea. It was so connected. This doesn't even taste like beer. And to me, you're like, yep. well it does, but it's, you know, uh, beer, that's like that's my care. favorite. This is a daisy like beer. I love it. This is the first. I'm actually I have creating. no idea. Order more. You, <laughs> you see people taking pictures of the labels, and it's like they just didn't know it existed. And so, you know, going out there and being getting in the media and going out and doing this, it's not something that I'm like I want to be famous. I don't like who even knows my last name, Anlexia, right? <laughs> but really, it's more just getting that message out because I think it's an industry that needs um, or that warrants respect. And that warrants, and I think when I first started, it was funny. I'd bring, like, great beers to a dinner or to a party, and it's like, oh, that's so cute. We're going to play beer pong later. I'm like, what? Dude, you know, because we have wine at the table, and we're going to drink that later when we're playing games. And it's like now those same people are calling and saying, here's the beer list where I am. What do you recommend? What should I drink? And it's just (laughs) changing that perception and um, changing kind of what people expect it to be, whether it's the culture or it's just the beer or it's just what you shop for when you're making dinner. Um, just knowing that it's an option that's worth a shot and also worth respect, because like you said, you guys know a lot goes into this. A lot of love goes into it. So I want to ask you what you're doing currently. What, do you, what, do you, what are
2: you doing, Jess?
4: Because <laughs> um, I I'm think the, it, it I'm goes that works what at we're Brooklyn talking Burry. about. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sorry. So yeah, I've been with Brooklyn, well, I was part-time for a handful of years, and then I became full-time about a year just over a year and a half ago, and it's just night and day, being, you know, part-time, full-time with the, the 11th largest craft brewery in the States. Um, it's very exciting. It's, it's been a learning process the entire way. I mean, th- my entire, like, beer career has been that way. But um, essentially, what's interesting with Brooklyn Brewery is that since my, I've been here in New York since for 10 years now, and basically when I moved here, it was Six Point, it was Kelso, And Brooklyn Brewery. Those were the three breweries that really were... The crap breweries, mm-hmm. and since then, what are we up to? Like forty crap breweries probably. in, oh, in the city. Oh, we're, we're,
2: there, yeah. we're pretty close to that. Right? Uh, it's
4: amazing. Yeah, it's awesome.
2: I, I, I've I've almost been here six years now, and I think when I when I moved here six years ago, I think there was like ten. Yeah, and like I, I think I was at at this point in my mind, was, oh, there's no way there's gonna be anywhere craft breweries in the country. This is uh, and no, it, it's <laughs> amazing. But it's also amazing. Like you, you probably know too. Like be around this and see this and witness it and like meet these guys and and. and and gals and see what they're doing and watch them, you know, have this seed of an idea and then take it and then grow a beautiful big brewery. It's great. It's so cool.
4: We- I mean, it's very exciting and everyone's like super like thrilled just to be in it. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, some have like prospered a little bit more than others. Some are still like on the like peripheral, but um, you wouldn't be surprised if to see out, like some brewery you haven't thought about for really a really long time. They're like, Oh yeah, they're still churning out the beer. You just don't see them as much, but they're still in it. Um, oh. But with Brooklyn right now, it's very interesting being part of a brand that has a really literally like worldwide identity, as you and would know with uh, cool. Guinness. And yeah, it's very cool. And it's like been around for 30 years. It's not like one of the, you know, it's been around since the, the second wave um, and kind of endured. It has endured. So it's it's interesting how to keep up and like stay fresh. Especially with social media. We have a really strong social media platform and also even just going into like the whole branding. It's because once you get to a certain point, it's not just like how good your liquid is, making sure you have good liquid, it's making sure that your liquid gets in front of people mm-hmm. and what are those tactics. And you and you get your you message use.
2: out. You get the story out. Yeah, definitely.
4: And it's it's been fun and a good learning experience.
2: And what do you do?
1: What's like what's your day to day kind
4: of so basically I make sure that well, I'm I'm the tasting room manager of the our we have like a 4,000 square foot tasting room, um, and we have a lot of things that go through there, um, <laughs> and especially with it being Brooklyn Brewery and we're o- in over like 33 countries at this point and over. I can, like I can imagine that you hear
2: like seven different languages at any given time in your chat room. <laughs>
4: Mostly Portuguese. Actually, <laughs> okay. we hear a lot of Portuguese, okay. and um, because most of the other people, we get another, a lot of people from Sweden and Norway, and yeah. they're fine with their English. So okay. you can always like tell like, the blonde, beautiful, like tall, like um, people in the room. They're like, yeah, there are Swedes, but um, it's very interesting just because. Literally, people when they're on their vacations, they're like, Oh, Brooklyn Brewery is like one of my to do lists, it's like yeah, the Empire State Building. It's a destination. And, and that's when I see like a lot of people in the industry that have been in the industry for a long time. I'm just like, Who's in town visiting you? You yeah. know, yeah. Um, <laughs> because it's just like one of the staples essentially. And it's yeah. great because I think that was one of not necessarily the initial goals of um, the brewery's founding. You know, they're sure. like, Let's just brew some good beer, yeah. like, let's just bring it out there. But just over time, just with the right approach, it has become that way.
2: And you guys just got this new top room because you just renovated. We did a big renovation. How how is that going for you? It's been a month or two now, right?
4: Yes. And it's a lot more user-friendly. Cool. Uh, um, We actually have a bar you can go and sit at and hang out. Cool. Um, And you can just pay cash at the bar. Cool. Because before we had these awesome wooden tokens.
2: You
3: know mm-hmm.
5: pre you know prehistoric uh, beer loss I oh, old tokens lives.
3: though <laughs> I I'm old-fashioned I right. liked the tokens right. but
5: that's okay. So I'm kind of wondering because you guys a couple of you have touched on how social media might be kind of the next way to get more people, especially women involved with drinking craft beer. I'm just wondering, and this has always been a question on my mind, you know, what is the best way to reach women who are looking to get into the craft beer space? Is it with like <sighs> a festival like beers without beers? Is it through social media? you know, what do you guys think?
2: I, I, I think if there was a short answer, we would have done it already, uh, <laughs> Grace. <laughs> <But> <laughs> she, I thought this was an easy black and white
1: answer. No, no. But I think those are all important. I, I think it's really cool to have. I mean, now I know there's another, there's at least one or two other festivals for wet.
5: Yeah. Like, yeah, there's well, um, Femme Ale Fest in South Florida, and there's Dames and Dregs in, I think it's Georgia. I think, so I, but more. I think what
2: Anne was saying, like, the like like just going around and putting those beers in front of people, it's, it's that, it's that, I, I, when I worked at the bar back mm-hmm. a million years ago, like, that was one of my like most favorite things was, I really don't know what I want. I'm not a big beer drinker, and then like yeah, you come back with some Belgian beer, and it's like, oh my god, did not realize beer could taste like this. Or like yeah, yeah I, it, I think it starts there. It starts with meeting the right beer people, going to the right beer bars, like not having
3: servers who are. You have you know, to remember jerks. we are able to get to beer bars, and not not yeah. everyone is. So yeah. I mean, for me, it's yeah. not even. It's about just having. Language that people understand. And I think that's, for that's me, that's, that's what, I mean, we all have different strengths. I think that's, and the short answer is everyone has different strengths, so you use what you've got, right? Yeah. So if you have an audience that's talking to this type of person, excellent. If you're able to be in a tap room and put it directly in front of them, fantastic. If you can write a great article that kind of gets sent around the world, mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Go on a show, perfect. But whatever that is, I think, um, you know, for me, I, I found that it's this weird thing balance between getting the information out and getting accurate information but also doing it in a way that's not intimidating and using language that people want to hear right off the bat and so sometimes I'll see like you know the headlines I mean we're in a clickbait society at this point it really is (laughs) I mean you see that you got one second to make that thing stand out and so you use the flashiest titles a lot of times and and that's okay it happens right um but at the same time I've gotten a lot of flack for like saying something really simple and I'm like but I'm not talking to you you know what I mean like I understand that you know the ins and outs of brewing and we can discuss alpha acids and pH you know that's not who I'm talking to I'm introducing this to Mm -hmm. a new audience and so I think if we could all just be more open-minded and let each whoever's doing their part do their part yeah yeah, you know, a, who knows there's a space what kind to is looking? Yeah. yeah, but and I nice, think,
1: yeah, I mean, I think, and we'll talk about this more on Thursday. But even since we've opened this tasting room, I mean, our tasting room, like the audience is—it's got to be close to half-half, ladies and 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 guys and, children and, and get puppies. Get yeah, and we get—I mean, we get <laughs> well, a lot of
2: a birthday party. Like, if I if I can boast for you for a second, uh, Fifth Hammer is a really great third space. Like, it, like you come, you hang out. It's a really great neighborhood spot. It's. It's dogs and it's kids and it's older people and it's younger people and it's mm-hmm. lots people, of people people who yeah. know a lot about beer and people who don't know a yeah. lot about beer people who come and I'm just gonna I oh, just have to wine please and people who are like it's you've created a great community space yeah. and I do have a
4: question maybe we need more of those yeah so yeah totally hung out at Fifth Hammer it, it is a good vibe like good time it's people just like. You could tell they're relaxed and they're comfortable. So, good job on that. Um, <laughs> but, so I am curious though, because you, you do have red, you have a red and white wine yeah, available, Anna right? And a rose. And a rose? And a cider. So, how does it, uh, do you feel though that people, like, how does that go with your, um, your customers? So, people, are the majority of them that go in there, are they really open to like try some things out? And they're like, okay, yeah. you know, how is that experience?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I'd say, I mean, really, we have the wine. So it's all New York State farm wine Mm -hmm. um, and a New York State, a a cider made in Queens, actually. Um, But we, but but I found when we first opened that there were, if people came in couples or groups and one person did not drink beer and it's not always, you know, it doesn't, it could be either gender, I mean, across the board um, that, you know, the, then the other, the people that did want to come and drink beer would, would not stay as long. Um, so that's mostly why we got mm-hmm. wine. But so that we have groups and like we have a lot of birthday parties. We have Bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, kids' birthday parties, dog birthday parties, (laughs) (laughs) anniversary parties, whatever, you name it. Um, And so, you know, that's a lot of group. Like, a lot of people come to our tasting room in groups. And if there's one person that doesn't drink beer, then we have, you know, it's really nice to have something for for those people.
2: But Sorry, weren't you telling me, though, that, like, a lot of your, like, really cool fruited sours were were, helping to get... Yes, I added a (laughs) rosé...
1: At the beginning of the summer, and it's actually a, a cool story, but it's made on Long Island uh, by a guy that was a firefighter and nine eleven survivor. Anyway, super cool guy. So we carry his rose. So I added this rose, and oh my god, we sold the shit out of that rose. Like cool. this summer, and
2: but as soon as we, I, have, I hear, hear rose hot right now. Yeah. As soon as we put, <laughs> we have
1: this blackberry summer sour, and it is purple, like it's uh-huh. pr- pink purple. As soon as that came out, our rose sales immediately dropped. Wow. people, I know, it's crazy, right? So anyway, I think because it's people interesting. people trust you
3: at this point. If they're coming there and you're no, not trying to them over the head with something new, they can kind of ease their way in. Now yeah. they trust you well, and they'll listen to you. And they're,
1: you know, we, we, we're we serving that Blackberry Summer Sour in a teku. It's a beautiful color. Uh-huh. It looks good. And people are like, oh, what's that? I want to taste that. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it's pretty fascinating, I think. And it's also been interesting because I bartend sometimes as well to even have people like, we'll, you know, we'll have, we just ran out, we had a Belgian wit on and we just ran out of it. And so people come in and say, hey, I like white beer. Do you, you know, what do you have? It's like that. And I'm like, well, we don't have any, we just, you know, ran out. We don't have one right now, but we have this saison uh-huh. or something else. And it is
2: surprising what people will drink. So, yeah. And what yeah, they yeah, like. Yeah. It, you know? like anyway. I think, I, I think that's, that's part of the key, like to getting more people to be beer drinking. You, yeah. You know, no, no offense to our New York state cider and, and wine producers, but you no know, talking about beer right now, but like, you know, not a lot of people generally overall in this country right now are drinking a lot of beer so like if there is a way to get them more excited about beer like oh I didn't I didn't Mm -hmm. know beer could be that color I didn't know beer could look like that and to Anne's point I think that
5: the environment is is a big big part of why women may or may not you know go to a bar to drink Mm -hmm. beer because if they don't feel welcome or you know if they don't feel like it's a community there and if they feel like um, it's just not a welcoming space. You know, they're probably less likely to try something new. And at a place like Fifth Hammer where it's just, sure. like, super welcoming and there's a great community there and there's other spots like that in the city, you know, uh-huh. um, you're much more likely as a woman to get involved with drinking yeah. craft beer.
1: I'd say, I mean, we, we have a lot of breweries in the city that are very, fr- yeah. you know, friendly and comfortable and Hell everything. Yeah. But that is true. I will have to say, like, we're... I still see, you know, some of these breweries that are hat that have either very sexist beer names or Boy, imagery. Cat. I see, I'm you know, over it. I used to know. Like, <laughs> oh, no, seriously. At this
3: point, you'd grow up. Give me a break. I
1: know, yeah, but I'm it's amazing. It. Like I, I've definitely have seen people's Instagram. Like a friend of ours who travels, Chris O'Leary travels, and he had taken a photo of a brewery that he walked into, and like the, I mean, there were some really offensive beer names and stuff, and, and you know. Like I would never walk. I would, and I think actually he did walk in and walk straight walk straight back out. But like, why would you have that the this day anyway? Well, so I think you I know think that is important if you're opening a com- brewery
2: or a bar. Like, think
1: it about they, you know. they
2: they don't know how else to sell their beers. No, don't
3: leave it there and let us see your true colors. Do what you got to do. We'll
2: yeah, figure it out right. for ourselves.
4: Yeah. Well, it's just that, It's unfortunately the tactic they've chosen to sell their beers. Yeah, it's just like a woman like with her breasts just hanging out holding a bottle of beer like right by it. It's like the breasts like first distract you and they're like oh what's she actually having in her hand right <laughs> now. The same, it's
3: the same tactic. Right. I mean well, it's, it's an triple that you'd never drink right out of the bottle. Got it.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's just men, men have like 150 year this is what I like to say. Men have 150 year head start on marketing beer i.e. like Budweiser and Miller having these scantily clad women to sell their beer. But let's not forget that women are the OG brewers. Yeah. We were the first ones to brew beer and we've been doing Doing it since 4,000 BC, so that's what I say to that. I can't wait to hear this project
3: I'm working on, but I can't yet because it's not ready for a couple weeks. (laughs) But all of you will be invited to to the unveiling. It's really, really wonderful. Straight to that point. So excited. (laughs)
1: And if you are in New York City or the New York City area, please check out Beers Without Beards Week. There's all, you know, as we talked about earlier, there's all kinds of cool events going on and it culminates in a big festival on Saturday. So I hope to see many of you out there. And then, uh, as I mentioned, Fement About It will be back with a weekly show in the fall, in September. All right. yeah,
2: give, give yourselves a chance to plug your social media.
1: Yes.
5: Uh, yes. I'm actually going to plug the website again where you can buy tickets because Yay. we still have some left and we'd love to see as many people out there as possible. So if you're interested in any of the events that we talked about, the Big Tasting Festival or any of the events during the week, go to www.hopculture.com backslash beardless.
2: Hilarious. Uh, you can find me talking about Guinness stories on Instagram and Twitter
3: at Guinness um, at Anne likes beer, Anne with an E. And speaking of women in beer, I just have to mention that next Tuesday at Treadwell Park, at our Uptown location on 62nd and 1st, we're actually launching, we're doing the U.S. launch of Duchess Cherry. So the new Duchess de Bourgeon Flemish Red with uh, yeah, with sour what? cherries. And we have some really great traditional Flemish carbonade and some great Belgian chocolate cookies and some oh. good like cuisine à la bière to go Holy with these crap. lovely things. I think everyone will be there around 6, but we'll be running it all day. So really pumped about it.
4: Well, I personally don't run Brooklyn Brewery social media, (laughs) (laughs) but you can find us at Brooklyn Brewery um, and pretty much any platform, hashtag or whatever. Um, My my own personal um, IG, I'm not really much in the whole uh, social media, but I am on Instagram at um, yeah one. Yeah. See, this is how much I don't use it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> at, yeah, New York City. Um Yeah, New York but yes. City. But our person who does social media, he's really witty and he's always a good laugh though.
1: So. Yeah. And you can find us at FomenAboutIt It on Instagram and on Twitter or uh, FomenAboutIt at gmail.com. Yes. And we'll be uh we'll be Instagramming more. We're gonna get everything going again. I'm so excited, Rachel. <laughs> oh yeah, we also have a Facebook page that you should like and ask us questions yes. and we can read some questions on the air. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we will be back in September. men about it. men about it.